if you will, follow with me as we read the passage of scripture this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 19, starting with verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking? He said, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit a murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come, follow me. But then the young man heard this statement. He went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle to go, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, "Then who can be saved?" And looking at them, Jesus said to them, "With people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, asking that you open our hearts and minds. We ask that you come into our lives and speak the words that you want us to hear. Speak the words that we need to hear so that we can come and follow you. You know, it might not be about selling everything that we have, but selling the possessions, selling the things, selling the things that clutter our hearts so that we can fully follow you, Lord. We just thank you so much for all that you do for us and just being here in this gathering so that we can worship you and just learn from you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We're going to watch a short video, and then we'll get started. They have so much stuff. It's a never-ending battle to fight the clutter. With the baby coming, we got to get our stuff in order. We had a downsize from a four-story house to a two-bedroom apartment. I lost my husband. I don't know that I have everything it takes to get rid of his belongings. This girl's no joke. This is amazing. Uh, we have too much stuff. It's official. It's so hard to let it go. I don't want to just, you know, dump it. I want to be thoughtful about it. Choose item that spark joy for you. Spark joy. It's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. We're on board. We want to change. I just want it to be strong enough to change me. I can let it go. Arigato. I am going to figure out what sparks joy in my life. I can't believe you can touch the carpet. <laughs> new day, new joy. Thank you for being here for us and wanting to help us. I hope you know how much this means to me. Here we go. many of you recognized who that was? A few of you. By the beginning of the year, that, um, Netflix came out with this mini-series called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. She, she's a 
a lady who wrote a book back in 2014 about decluttering and getting things back to sparking joy in our lives. She, she sold more than 6 million copies and is still topping the New York Times bestsellers list. If you're like me, and maybe some, some of the husbands out there can relate, I was forced into watching this show with my wife. You know, she, she, Melissa's been all about tidying and cleaning, especially after we moved uh, middle of last year. And although we didn't grasp the concept of sparking joy with everything, what we did, however, spark the desire in us to declutter our lives, declutter our home. You, know, you see, I, I remember watching these episodes with Melissa and, and thinking to myself, she wants me to do what? She, she wants me to pick an article or clothing, a book, uh, something that has some sentimental value and, and let it speak to me. Does, does it spark joy with me? And I'm just like, what? She wants me to do, do this crazy nonsense? You know, how, how many of you been there that somebody asked you to do something crazy? And you're like, wait, you want me to do what? You know, I just couldn't get behind holding a, a high school t-shirt and, you know, something that you could read the newspaper through and asking that if it does, does it spark joy? Or, or being able to get rid of it and, and thanking it before I got rid of it. Did you know that in the U.S. there are more than 25,000 resale consignment and not-for-profit resale shops in the U.S.? There are between 45,000 and 52 storage facilities in the U.S. There is even a store dedicated to selling nothing but storage containers to store our stuff. There's even people like Marie Kondo who's dedicating their careers to professionally organizing and decluttering homes and people's lives. We have a problem with stuff. We have a problem with possessions. We have a problems with things. Sometimes we put so much value on these things that they become idols. And we lose focus of what Christ has asked us to do. And it says it right there, follow me. You know, if we go back to the passage of scripture this morning, I have to wonder, did Jesus know this? Back then, was Jesus scratching his head and saying, in 2019, in the modern day, people are going to attach too much meaning, too much joy to their stuff, to their possessions, to their things. You know, maybe he was saying, well, we better nip it in the butt. Let me tell the story about the rich young ruler and make an example of it, of how we need to live our lives. You see, Marie Kondo is concerned with the condition of our house, where Jesus was concerned with the condition of your heart. If we read verses 16 through 26 again, focus on what the rich young ruler responds back with. Starts out, just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about this good? He said to him. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked. 
Jesus answered, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept these things, the young man told him. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, Go, sell your belongings, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Do you see the problem? Do you see what the rich young ruler was more focused with? He was more focused on what he could do and what he had already done. Not what Jesus could do and what, what he was about to do and what he could do in his life. In America, and I'm sure in all of the world, we tend to have this all about me mentality. It's me, 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 me. You know, we, we tend to f- lose focus of those around us, the things that really matter. And our culture feeds that. We all know that advertising lies to us, that it sells us products that we don't need, that it doesn't keep its promises. They try to tell us that knowledge isn't power. Though our loneliness and dissatisfaction remain, we continue to try to plug these emotional holes with toys, with things, with possessions. We believe our stuff should make us happy, even though there's no evidence even though the evidence points away from this. Even though Jesus made this very clear when he told us that the camel had a better chance of getting through the eye of a needle. Even through all the evidence and all the teachings that Jesus taught, what was the rich young ruler's response? If you look back, what what were the disciples' response when Jesus came to them? You know, probably like what I said, wait, you want me to do what? You want me to get rid of everything to follow you? Who are you? Who do you, who do you say you are? You see, Jesus was trying to get us to understand that earthly possessions don't just enter our lives quietly. They take up space. They demand upkeep and tether our hearts. They can prevent us from having a true Christ-centered relationship With God. They can prevent us from the best possible gift that anyone can ever give us. And I think St. Augustine said it best when he said this. We've got a slide here for it. God has something to give to us, but our hands are too full. God has something to give to us, but our hands are too full. This quote soon as I found it, struck a nerve in me. And if there is anything that you take away from this message this morning, I hope that you write this quote down. Take it with you. Ponder it. Reflect on it. God has something to give to you. But your hands are too full. Or if we make it into the question, is that God has something to give to you. Are your hands too full for it? Now, if we take a step back and go back to Marie Kondo for a little bit. She has five categories for your stuff and all of your stuff. There's clothing, there's books, there's papers, there's miscellaneous items. How many of you have those 
drawers full of nothing but miscellaneous things, that, those junk drawers. Mementos, things with sentimental values. Since my point this morning isn't about your house, it's about your heart, as was Jesus' point. Let's unpack and declutter it, if you will. Jesus' parable, with Jesus' parable, and, and with the help of Marie Kondo's list. First, we have clothing. Earlier, I mentioned that th- threadbare t-shirt from high school. We all have that one piece of iconic clothing. You know, we've got Brian over here with his button-downs and his t-shirt underneath. If Brian showed up in something else, we, we would like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, what one that all of our friends, all of our family have seen so much that they start to wonder, do we even own anything else? Do we have other clothes? You see, Coleman, my two-year-old, when Melissa's folding laundry, what will point to the pieces of clothing and say, Dada or Mama or Sissy or Dito. He'll name whose piece of clothing that is. Clothing becomes part of how people recognize us. It's how we describe someone we met at a party but can't remember their names. So when thinking about the rich young ruler and his first mistake, he didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. He didn't know who he was. The young ruler came rushing to Jesus and falling to his knees and he asked, Good teacher, what good thing need I do so that I can have real and unending life? Jesus, perceiving the youth's mistakenness, answered with a question. A question that would prove the depths of the young ruler's knowledge of God. Why do you call me good? Jesus responded. Jesus was in the habit of asking such disarming questions. The young man did not recognize with whom he was talking. He knew he was a teacher. But Jesus was more than a teacher. Jesus was before him. And the young ruler was kneeling before the one who some have called greater than Solomon. Jesus had the answers. Jesus had the knowledge. Jesus was the greatest. And the young ruler saw Jesus as a moral man who had some insight, who had some depth, but he didn't recognize his divine authority. And to make such a mistake and to make such a mistake as that is fatal. As C.S. Lewis made clear, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. He can not only just be a teacher. He's so much more. He is Lord. He is our Savior. The next two categories Kondo has her followers try to tackle are books and papers. How many, is, how, how many of you have bookshelves and desks full of papers and books? Is it organized or, or is it just there? Or, or is, uh, I used to like to call it, you know, organized... Chaos. <laughs> you know, if you're anything like me, these things are important. You know, that they speak to us. That they, they hold important value to us. You know, I, I have to have reminders set on my phone. I have to have my calendar filled out because I don't know what's going on. I, I 
I, I tend to write notes, especially at work in meetings, just so that I can bring it back because I'm never going to remember five minutes down the road what, I, what we just talked about. Books and papers are important things. How many of you have read a book and once you're done, think back like, I don't even know what I just read. You know, we, we need to be making those notes. We, we need to be making mental thoughts uh, of what we're reading, what we're doing. We, we need to be aware of our faults. And like the, un, the young ruler here, he was unaware of his own faults. He, he was unaware because maybe he didn't have all the information. Maybe he wasn't understanding who Jesus was. Maybe he you know, wasn't in the right circles to understand it. But suppose for a moment that the wealthy youth had never violated the commandments Jesus presented to him. Suppose that he had never murdered even with his tongue. Suppose that he had not committed adultery even in his heart. Suppose that he had not stolen or even envied. Suppose that he had never spoken less than the whole truth. Even still, he was unaware of his own faultiness. And did you notice that Jesus only presented him with those commandments that are man-to-man relationships? The other commandments have to do with God-to-man relationships. And this young man had obviously not fulfilled those. Because if he did, he would have realized and immediately recognized Jesus as the Son of God. But he did not recognize Jesus. He was wildly naive and tragically bound. Tragically blind. And that brings us to Marie, Marie Kondo's fourth category. And the third mistake is that he misunderstood the plan of grace. In this category of miscellaneous items, it is quite often the largest clutter category. Miscellaneous items play a super important role in people's lives. You know, that those are things that, you know, we might need later on in life. Uh, those are things that have some value at some point. Th- those are things that sometimes are the supporting character in things that we do. Miscellaneous items, things, and possessions are sometimes the reasons we do certain things. That we accomplish certain things. And when the rich young ruler asked, what good things must I do to have eternal life? He was most definitely concerned with his soul. He was wondering, maybe where, where am I going with my life? Where, where is, what's going to happen once I die? What, what's going to happen to me? He was thinking about his possessions and wondering if they were leading him to the life eternal. It's why he asked Jesus what he did. He was absolutely committed to finding out how to have eternal life. In the text, he prods Jesus a little deeper when he asked him what he lacked in his life. What was keeping him from eternal life? And it's obvious he knew he was lacking something. Something was missing in his life. He just didn't know what it was. So what was he missing? He was missing a total surrender to his life to Christ. 
Only to believe on Jesus Christ as Savior. As wealthy as he must have been, he was spiritually bankrupt. And had a terribly poor faith. He was blinded by Jesus and what Jesus was all about. You see, wealth tends to insulate us from hardships. Yet enduring hardships and finding comfort in Christ rather than the things of this world is the way of Christianity. I I might say wealth, but we could replace it with possessions. We we could replace it with things. We we could even replace it with things that are going on in our community right now with with the drug addiction and and those, those types of things. They tend to insulate us from those hardships. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you for the sake of the Son of Man. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. But woe to you who are rich. For you are receiving your comfort in full. From Luke chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. Wealth also tends to provide security for the future. You know, we might say that I have enough savings that if something goes wrong, I don't have to trust God. I can just go to the bank, get some money out, and take care of it. Riches tend to make us feel like we just don't need God. And riches can even make us feel that we are not accountable to God and follow His rules. When the rich young ruler was blinded by his riches... And was able, unable to see the grace that Jesus was giving to him. That Jesus was offering to him right there and then. The rich young ruler wanted eternal life. But he also wanted his wealth. And he thought that he would have to choose between wealth. His possessions. Or eternal life. He thought he would be unable to have both. And we're left with the impression that he chose wealth. Over eternal life. Because we see that he left. He left away grieving. He was torn. But we who hear Jesus all the way out on this matter. Discover that Jesus is saying. That whoever will leave. Whatever he calls us to leave. In order to follow him. Will get both abundance in this life. And eternal life. And that's a wonderful deal if you ask me. Our last category in Marie Kondo's journey is decluttering. It is sentimental items. We all have them. In the video that there was a woman that she had just lost her husband. And she was, actually I think if you watch the show it was maybe a year ago. But she, she had lost her husband and she was finally ready to deal with it. She's finally ready to walk into her husband's closet and declutter. See what sparks joy. See what she was ready to get rid of. Those were sentimental items to her. And it was a hard time. But she made it through. Marie Kondo claims to leave these till the end because they are the hardest parts to deal with. We attach emotions and feelings and memories to these items. They remind us of a certain time or a certain person. But when looking at the last mistake of the rich young ruler, he did the exact opposite. He didn't have any emotion or sentimental value linked to Jesus. To him, Jesus was just a teacher. 
His fourth mistake is that he went away. He went away. And in a way, this was his only mistake. A man can misunderstand the divinity of Christ. A man can be blinded to himself. And a man can misunderstand God's grace and still be saved if he will commit to staying with God. You see, Peter, Andrew, John, Matthew, and the others did not fully understand the lordship of Jesus, but they certainly did not, and they certainly didn't fully understand the plan of grace, the plan of salvation. But they stayed with Jesus. They followed Jesus. They were willing to commit to a lifestyle of learning with him. They apprenticed themselves to him for the long haul. They were in it. And that is the way to be saved. If you are willing to launch out with Christ on the long journey from brokenness to wholeness. If you are willing to walk all the way every hard step. Then you are a wise person. Even if you are not young or wealthy. As, as we try to wrap this up, as we try to bring it all together, I want to share a story with you. And I, I want you to take your bulletin out and kind of do this exercise as I'm reading the story. So you, you all have some notes section there. If you have a little bit of empty spot, it doesn't have to be big. But this is a story that comes from a pastor in Chicago called Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels was on a plane one day. And the passenger beside him asked Bill what he did for a living. Bill replied that he was a minister. And an interesting conversation ensued. The man said, I believe in God. I attend church. I don't see why I... Need it. I'm an honest guy. I try to treat other people decently. I know right from wrong. And I know one day I will die and meet God. And that my record will be acceptable to him. Kind of reminds me of the rich young ruler right there. You know, he's going to Jesus and saying, I've kept your commitments. I've done right from wrong. I know what I'm doing. When I meet heaven, I'm going to get there. When I meet God, I'm going to get to heaven. Bill Hybels took out a legal pad from his briefcase, much like you all took out your bulletins and got your piece of paper ready. And he said, I agree that you, I agree with you that God will judge all people. So let's do some preliminary figuring on how we might stack up before God. I want you to draw a line across the middle of your page. And that's what Bill did with his legal pad. Even if you have to make a box, you can make a box and draw a line in the middle of it. Let's do some preliminary figuring on how we might stack up before God. Draw a line across the middle of your page. Let's say that this line represents a passing grade with God. And Bill goes on and asks, Who is the best person you can think of? The one who grades 
out highest with God. So think of somebody who who would get a passing grade with God. You know, and, and for the story's sake, you know, they mentioned Billy Graham. The man thought for a moment and he replied with Billy Graham. Bill said, fine, let's put Billy Graham on your charts. But we must place him here where Billy Graham himself says he ought to be. You see, Billy Graham said repeatedly many times that he is a sinner and that he deserves to go to hell. But in fact, he is going to heaven only because Jesus paid for his sins on the cross. So we must put Billy down here beneath the middle line. Then Bill said, I'm going to put my own name on this chart, well beneath Billy Graham's name. Like Billy, I'm a sinner whose only hope is the cross. Bill Hybels noticed that his new friend had suddenly became strangely quiet, perhaps anticipating that next question. Bill turned to him and asked, Brother, where should we put your name on the charts? Where should you put your name on that chart? Bill says, you you don't want to be ranked above Billy Graham, do you? And after a considerable pause, the man replied, You have certainly given me food for thought. You have certainly given me food for thought. Where would you put your name? You know, this story reminds me of the rich young ruler who was presented with grace, was presented with Jesus, was presented with the gift of salvation right in front of him. Jesus says, Go, sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus was laying it all out for him. Bill was laying it out for the passenger on the plane. They were given food for thought. It's what we do with that food that makes the difference. Today is a day of decision. Today is a day of commitment. A day that, that we shouldn't be like the rich young ruler or the passenger on the plane who was almost persuaded. Who almost made that decision but then decided to walk away. But then decided to just say, I've got some food for thought. I'll go along my way and maybe think about it later on. You see, they walked away from the best offer on earth and life thereafter may have been a tale of sorrow. You see, today is a wonderful time to become forgiven, to become a redeemed child of God. And by no means am I telling you to get rid of everything when you get home today. I'm not telling you to, you know, call your trash company and get a dumpster and start throwing everything out. I'm not telling you to take everything to a restore shop. I'm not telling you to follow Marie Kondo's way of decluttering. I am telling you that your heart needs to be decluttered and your decision needs to be to stay with Jesus and accept his grace. We need to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. 
But we need to be storing up our treasures in heaven, not on the things of this earth. We need to be following Jesus fully with all of our hearts. And sometimes that's hard to do when we are caught up with our craziness and busyness and the possessions and things that clutter our lives. If we can put... Oh, we already got it up there. That, that quote from earlier. God has something to give us, but our hands are too full. I said earlier that this quote struck a nerve with me. Made me start thinking. God has something to give to us, but our hands are too full. God wants us to follow him every single day. God wants us to put him first every single day. God wants to give us that gift over and over and over again. But are our hands too full to accept it? Are our lives too cluttered? Are our lives too full of things that matter on this earth and not, of, not that matter in heaven? Jesus' disciples left everything. They left their jobs. They, they followed Jesus. They followed him wherever he went so that they can learn, so they can follow him, so that they can share it with other people. As we get ready to pray and come into our time of invitation, I want you to think about that quote. I want you to think about the gift that God has given you, that he's laid out in front of you. Are your hands too full to accept it? Are your hands, are your lives too full of clutter, too full of possessions, too full of things that you miss the mark, that you miss what this whole idea of Christianity and following Jesus is all about? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to gather and worship and and just come to hear your word. Lord, as we enter this time of invitation and this time of communion, I just pray that we begin to reflect and we begin to meditate on on the things that really matter to you, on the things that matter in heaven and not on this earth. I pray that, you know, if if there's somebody here this morning that needs to make that decision, that needs to declutter their lives, Because they want to fully follow you and understand what you are all about. That they don't want to walk away almost getting it, but truly getting it. That they they come forward this morning and, and make that decision. Lord, I also just pray that if there is anybody here this morning that that has made a decision that that maybe they've fallen away, maybe they've got caught up into the possessions, maybe that they've got called up into the things of this world that they come forward that they can begin to have conversations with, with, with somebody somebody that can keep them accountable somebody that can help them focus and turn their direction and eyes back to you Lord and, and for, for those that are following you I just pray that we continue to grow, that we continue to follow you, that we continue to have the passion and desire that you want us to have so that we can go out into this world and share your love, share your 
saving grace. To share your plan to share the life of eternal life. Lord, we are nothing without you. We are nothing but a bunch of sinners who fall short, who make mistakes. And we need your love. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. Lord, and you accomplished all this through sending your son to hang on that cross because of the sins to, that we commit so that we can be forgiven, so that we can come into heaven with welcoming arms saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our families. And we just pray that we continue to focus on you every step of the way, whether it be hard or easy, because you deserve it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.